Consciously family, it's Menachem. Uh, so Chaim and I are sitting here and um, working on the podcast, and uh, we have a great season that's coming out. Please God, uh, next week we'll start with our season um, three. Season three, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and uh, so we're working on that. But while we're here, we've been riffing a little bit on current events. Don't worry, we're not going to get political at all because we're apolitical, me and Chaim. No opinions here. We haven't, yeah, we've been freed from all opinions about anything. Um, but uh, really been talking more about, you know, what's going on for all of us emotionally and um, as we try to encounter both being in Zoom-bound reality and emerging out of Zoom-bound reality. So one of the things we wanted to talk about today was, um, I like that music, by the way. Keep it on. You could leave that on a little bit. It's right. nice, you know, a little bit. Um, so um, Chaim and I were talking, and a lot of people that we're talking to and a lot of people and ourselves, um, I don't want to break the stigma, but I'm a mental health professional who has my own mental health challenges. And, You're uh, human and everything. <laughs> it's not just human. I'm like one of those sickos. So, uh, you know, just the anxiety and I guess the accompanying sadness or depression or down that comes along with that um that i'm experiencing and that seems that other people are experiencing so we thought maybe we could just talk about that talk about i guess what we can do about trying to cope with that and being better at being us in this new situation okay yeah and i asked you if we can spend these 20 minutes specifically talking about anxiety so i mean it's a word we hear about all the time but it seems talking to people and my own experiences over the last it's close to three months now um people are experiencing like not just the way people just say oh, anxiety people are really experiencing physical symptoms of anxiety heart palpitations. Some of that is due to uh, people's own experiences and challenges, physical health, mental, emotional, economic situation, fears, cabin fever. And then there's also amount that there's so much collective fear and unknown and paranoia and drama and just scary things nonstop in one form or another going on on the outside. And Unless you're able to shut yourself off from it completely, it it will impact anyone, especially some who are just more sensitive to the outside and kind of take on. I was talking to someone yesterday who is uh, a mother uh, who I work with, and then she's like, you know, she has three children, and each of them are kind of dealing with it differently, and two of them are kind of making the best out of the situation, and then one is just taking everything so internal like the i know it said it sounds like the external is internal for him mm. there you know 
And she was talking about like, why can't he just be like the rest of us and like tune it out and not take things so seriously and just be positive. And I was like, I didn't want to tell her, but I'm like, you mean be one of those douchebags who don't actually feel what's going on or not to make it like that. But I'm saying is that there are some people who can't help but feel what's going on and whether they ought to be not or not. Um, yeah. So, so you, you, let me unpack what you said a little bit. I think it's important just to kind of give some context and even verbiage. And some of this is related to um, my reading and working in a mental health sphere, but also the own, also the way in which I encounter these ideas and these, um, f- this framework and the verbiage that I use about it. So like you talked about a few things, you talked about anxiety, which is a term that it took me a long time to figure out what that was. Um, and then you also discussed panic, though you used anxiety to describe panic. And then you talked about resiliency, um, which is um, a person's ability to kind of cope with whatever they're going through and continue to move forward and engage life uh, successfully. Um, and uh, and then you talked about how people around us kind of encounter us when we're struggling in that, right? So. Those are all things that I think that are kind of important because if you don't unpack all of those things before you get into like, okay, what can I do about it? If you don't unpack all this stuff, by the way, the lighting in here is so annoying. I'm trying to like figure out where I could move. It's making me very anxious. I'm feeling very anxious about how terrible our lighting is. Um, so um, if you don't unpack all See, of that. like that, like that kind of undermine, like all of a sudden we can't actually, the word, it's like a, the boy cried wolf for years, everyone throwing around the word anxiety. Right, right. Well, I mean, there was a long time where I, I assumed I didn't have anxiety. I, for me, it was the opposite. It was more, I think that's what the thing that you're talking about is today anxiety is almost overused. Everything becomes anxiety. And I think in a certain way it is that way. Um, in in the other frame, it's like no, I can't say I have anxiety because I have anxiety. It must mean I be my, I must be hyperventilating and need, you know, a benzodiazepine to kind of cope and function with life. And it took me a while to kind of figure out that that's not necessarily the case. Like, if I wake up in a state of tension about the reality of what I have to face, like this morning, for example, I was telling you earlier. You know, this morning I woke up in kind of very deep, intense darkness. And it was triggered because I made the mistake of, while I was brushing my teeth, pressing on the email icon on my phone, and then immediately I had two emails that I'm a little overwhelmed by. And then suddenly it's like, and I haven't even prepared for the day yet, prepared myself for the day yet, and then suddenly it's flooding in this intensity, and nothing happened. You know, I put my pants on, and I went downstairs, and... You know, I went into the, uh, I went to shul, which is my living room for the last, you know, I went to, I did my prayers in, in my uh, kitchen, hanging out with Lucy. And, um, but underneath kind of me carrying on my regular life is this kind of building of underlying tension that makes it a little bit harder to breathe, but I'm not hyperventilating. It makes it a little bit harder to think but I don't necessarily have racing thoughts. I'm just moving a little bit slower. Right. And those fears about that reality, about how am I going to answer this email and I'm going to answer this and then this guy's going to think that and this guy's going to be upset at me, et cetera, et cetera, um, becomes 
you know, kind of encompasses the entirety of my life. And what I'm experiencing at that moment is anxiety. Mm -hmm. That is anxiety. Anxiety is the tension that builds within our bodies and within our minds when we encounter the unknown and when we, when we lose our sense of uh, faith or our grounding or our grounding in faith right that's what that's that's probably a good word and when i use the word faith i've been thinking about this a lot faith is faith is a euphemism people use for religion or religious belief and i think that that's true that's a way that we use the word faith but faith i i mean more on kind of an existential level when i lose a sense of faith in my ability to live or in what is going to come oftentimes what occurs within me the feeling the experience that i have within me is anxiety what builds upon that is when there's a system overload from that place of anxiety and i start to actually have physiological reactions to that loss of faith right shortness of breath heart palpitations racing thoughts right that is panic right so anxiety triggers right. panic panic is where it gets overwhelming and and then the question that comes about is okay so what what is my then my reaction pattern and how do my to the people around me experience that right but to bring it back to yes so exactly that question but to bring it very specific um whether it's like a full-blown uh panic attack in the way you described it with all those symptoms or if it's something a mild more mild form of whether or not those it comes with those physical symptoms if we only have a few minutes what are some very specific technical tools that could be used for everyone whether they have you know a background with this or not right so part part of what i would say is no, so, so let me let me first preface. I don't, I don't mean to be long-winded with it, but I think it's important. You described two things, and I think what I was trying to get across was there's really three things. Mm -hmm. There's anxiety, there's panic, and then there's a panic attack. Right. Right. A panic attack is is overbearing and overwhelming. I'm not even going to go there. What do I do when I have a panic attack? Well, if you know, I mean, there's breathing exercises you can take. There's medications you can take. There's reaching out for help, but it's kind of beyond the scope of a couple minutes to deal with a, a uh, an experience of panic that's you know beyond that's now at a level of attack, right? And the system complete system overload. So let's set that aside for a moment because that's a and not to minimize the impact of that. It's very very intense, but like that's it would be disrespectful even to spend time on a you know Facebook live talking about how you deal with a panic attack. It's, mm -hmm. You know, and if you have panic attacks on a regular basis, you know, mental health support is really, really important. Um, one second. I'm just going to tell this person and call them back. Isn't that cool I can do that? No, it's not cool at all. We're in the middle of uh, recording something. I know. Isn't that amazing? Um, I, I feel like I can do that because we're welcoming people into our living room right, and just right, kind of right. saying hello. Okay, so, so, um, so, so setting aside panic attack, how do I deal with anxiety? And how do I deal with panic? And there are two. And the reason why I say that is two separate things. Mm -hmm. So anxiety is this kind of ongoing, regular tension that we feel, and it most often is driven by a sense of fear about what's going to occur. So, so really, the the most useful key to kind of cope with that are two things. You want to reorient your thinking towards a positive space, right? By the nature of fears is for us to 
um, pull back and to attract to a place of safety. And when you're in a state of kind of pulling back into a place of safety, you're not thinking about what's going right in your life. You're not thinking about anything positive. You're not thinking about gratitude. You're just thinking about keep me safe. And as much as it feels like that's what makes the most sense, it oftentimes makes the least sense to do that when you're feeling anxious. So the first thing you can do when you're feeling, um, when you're experiencing feelings of anxiety is try to draw your mindset towards a positive and hopeful way of looking at the world. And there's two primary ways of doing that. And these are things that I talk about all the time, but it's really, really powerful, which is gratitude, right? Which means identifying what's going right with your life, right? Not in a way that dismisses all of what's driving you nuts or all of what you're anxious about, but okay, so I'm anxious about this. And now let me try to separate myself, create like a separation between that. And let me figure out what's right in my life. Not to fix the, the anxiety, but because I, I would like to get out of this state of anxiety so I can address that problem, right? So the first thing is gratitude. What can I, what can I, what, what's going right in my life? What's positive in my life? What have I, what did I do right yesterday? Not what I did, what did I do wrong yesterday? Even though my impulse is to do the opposite, to think about all the things that are wrong with my life. The other thing to do is to kind of make a list of affirmations or goals. I use the word affirmation because I find it less intense and over, overbearing, but something positive that I can do, right? To And the point of that is to kind of draw my thinking towards, again, a positive state. Um, and then the, the third thing from that, from the gratitude and the affirmation is to take some action. So oftentimes what we assume is the most efficient to, thing to do with anxiety is to attack the problem. And more often than not, the most efficient way to address anxiety is to not attack the problem, but to attack some other area, to um, disassociate yourself from kind of what's overbearing and reapproach it from a different angle. And I'll share a story with you that really taught me a lot. So I have a brother-in-law, I hope you won't mind me saying this, I've said this many, many times to many people, and he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a brilliant person and he's very, very handy. Among, among many, many other things, he just has the ability to figure things out just naturally. And this is how I learned this lesson. And then I've applied it in many, many other different ways that relate to mental state. I probably told you this before. So we were working on a project that had to do with building something. And we were kind of hitting screws, trying to like, I think, unscrew them or screw them in. And like anytime that you're screwing something in, you know, sometimes the screw, it, you know, the, the bit that you have doesn't fit properly and the screw starts to get threaded and then it's not going, and then you get frustrated and elevated. And what he did was we, we were at a screw, and, and it wasn't going in properly. It wasn't coming out or it wasn't coming in. And what he did was he said, okay, let's leave that screw there, and let's move on to some other screws, and we'll come back to that one later. And I thought that that was absurd, because we need to address this problem right now. And he didn't do that. He moved away. He put in three or four other screws, and he went back to the other screw, and the, the, the screw, that first screw, and the screw that he previously we were completely unable to get in when in the first time he tried, as if by magic. Even though by nature it seemed like the screw was threaded and it was going to be impossible and it was going to be an impossible problem. And, and I, in that moment, it dawned on me, something I'd read for a long time in many different manners in many different books, but it just kind of hit me. Like, oh my God, if I direct my attention away from the problem and direct my attention towards a solution, not a solution to that problem, but even a solution to another problem, by orienting my thinking towards a positive way of thinking, gratitude, and a forward way of thinking, aspiration, and then take action, then when I come back to the problem later, I come back to it with a different mind. 
And that is probably the most efficient tool towards dealing with anxiety, not panic, right? Now, something that you can do to address panic, and this can be also useful with anxiety, is mindfulness, and even though those are mindfulness-oriented, but they're not specifically mindfulness, but really breathing exercises, is really, really important because when you're experiencing panic, it's really important to know that what's happening is, is you're experiencing physiologically the expression of the tension that's in your mind outwardly in your body. And you need to kind of reset the system. So doing a simple breathing exercise is really, really uh, important and really, really powerful. And it allows you your, your whole body to physiologically reset. And it's really, it's not complicated. It's almost like it feels weird talking about it because it's so simple, but I found that it's so simple. So it's finding a, a quiet place to sit. You know, if I'm feeling panic and you're sitting in the middle of your living room and a million things are going on, or you still have the television going, or your cell phone's still open and Facebook notifications are still coming in, you're not going to get a lot of progress there. So you want to put your phone down or shut the TV off or go to a different room or even better, get outdoors, get some fresh air in your system. And then you want to sit down. And the purpose of sitting down, I know this seems simplistic, but the purpose of sitting down is to kind of like really, really, really alter the the context of your physical body because the way in which i look at it is panic is a physical reaction to an emotional problem so the solution is more physical whereas with anxiety it's not it's not come to a place of physicality so you engage it on the psychological level but with panic it's really important to kind of engage at a physical level even though you can use both of those for each right so it's to kind of sit down and allow your but body to settle in you're saying, but at that point, it's important to start with the body before the impulse of trying to think it through. Right, exactly. Because it's it's already engaged physiologically, right? So here you want to calm the body down because if you go to the mind, my body's already out of whack. I'm not thinking straight. There's not enough oxygen going to my brain, so to speak. I'm just I'm, I'm just a mess. So you want to get a nice a nice hot drink. Coffee is probably not most useful if you're experiencing panic, you know, but uh, I like, I happen to like coffee, but a, a tea or a cold drink is also nice, either hot or cold, right? But a nice drink and you want to sit in a comfortable chair and you want to alter your posture. I, I naturally kind of hunch over, but what's really, really important is to kind of alter your posture and open your chest up. This is somewhat uncomfortable for me. I and mean, that's just a, a back problem I have, but if you open it up and you allow your lungs to really extend and then take some really deep breaths. And that just looks like breathing in through your nose and holding it in for a second and then breathing out. And what's suggested and what I found to be really useful is to go in patterns of four, right? So you want to take a deep breath in. And kind of let it out slowly. And you do that four times. And, and what you're doing is, and then you can stop for a minute and even go back into your terrible posture and then put yourself back into a positive posture, pick up your back, sit nicely, and then start another set of breathing exercises. And then sometimes what's really helpful, if you haven't done that already, is to close your eyes, right? To kind of reduce some of that um, visual stimulation that's going around. Sometimes if you're outdoors, it can be useful to have your eyes open but at some point to kind of close your eyes and to kind of come inward and just repeat one of those one, two, three, four breathing exercises. Many people found it many useful, like as you're breathing, one, two, 
right? Just to kind of like breathe it through. I'm in a, a state of four. The benefit of a four is that there's a beginning and there's an end. And what I'm doing is I'm kind of letting my body know that we're getting back into rhythm. And we're not at odds with one another. And we're getting really into a rhythm. And I'm trying to slow down my breath and slow down my process so that I remove myself from a state of panic. And now that I'm out of a state of panic, I'm in more of a state of calm. I'm in a position to do a few things. I could do the gratitude, aspiration, action problem that I talked about. I could do journaling where I start to just freestyle write what I'm going through because oftentimes when we're in panic, there's racing thoughts and writing it down, A, slows down your thinking but also lets you know what you're actually thinking. And then the third thing that I would say, and we'll stop here, that's kind of pretty concrete and pretty straightforward. The third thing that I would say is pick up the phone and call somebody and express verbally what you're feeling. But you want to do that in the best case scenario, after you've calmed yourself down. Because you call, you call somebody in a state of panic and it's like, <laughs> right? And then it induces panic into the conversation. The person that's receiving the call is receiving the panic and it's an entirely different conversation. If you can kind of calm your body down, bring yourself back down and then make the call and then say, I just need to talk this out and then verbalize what's going on and then hear the feedback that's going on. Reduce the impulse to answer what they're saying. Just listen. And then what you're doing is similar to the breathing is that you're resetting the system. You're listening and you're talking and you're listening and you're talking. There's a sense of flow and you're back in line with the flow of reality and you're out of that state of panic, right? And that really, really helps a lot. Now, if you're in a, in a panic attack, none of that is useful. That's a totally different, I mean, some of this stuff is useful, but it's not really because that's, that's, a, that's a different level of intensity. But if you're in either just anxiety or even panic or somewhere in between, these kind of simple mindfulness tools can be, or others, can be really, really useful. Uh, the final thing I'll say is if you're having a hard time with meditation or just those kind of mindfulness things, I have found that even picking out, let's say, five days of going on one of these apps, I'm going to meditate through an app for five days, 10 days, 30 days, and that's it, and then putting it aside will actually help me doing that, let's say, with intensity, will help me then be able to utilize meditation as a regular tool. Meaning kind of instituting a short-term plan of practicing meditation with guidance is what helps me to utilize meditation on an ongoing basis to kind of deal with all the stuff that I'm dealing with. Anyway, so those are the things that I do to try to not be a, a crazed lunatic. Uh, and then in addition, I yell at my kids. I feel guilty about it. Um, I snap. And I overeat. Those are other ways that I, but I don't recommend those because they yeah. leave me feeling terrible. Or you could buy a lifetime subscription to Calm and then never use it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a lot of fun. I don't know. I said a lot of things. No, no. Very, so, um, very Hopefully it was meaningful. And, um, and we'll check in next week.